0: Welcome to Tea with Gaia. Today we have a fabulous guest, John Stamalos. John is an Adelaide-based world traveler, master breath worker, trainer and facilitator who has been traveling internationally for many years now, exploring, researching and sharing the many techniques for healing that he now practices. He has devoted his practice. healing and travels regularly on an international basis. A parent whose long and extensive knowledge and skills in body work and breath work has deemed him as one of Australia's leading practitioners in both these areas with credentials to prove it. His training has led him to work with many of the pioneers of rebirthing and related work. His training continues. He has worked in UK, Europe, Middle East with the first breath workers to introduce breathwork in Iran, South America, North Africa, USA, Canada, Australia, India and Asia. As a facilitator of many seminars and workshops for people from all walks of life, John is also a mentor and coach, making him the perfect trainer. Spending time with John is a journey in itself. Life is a palette of colours from which to choose. John's question to you is, which colour will you choose? So welcome to the show, John, and which colour will you choose?
1: Thank you. Oh, it looks like yellow today because I've got the sun shining in my face here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So, John, you have a very, you've got a fabulous background and also extensive um, experience in this field. So, before we get into rebirthing and breath work, could you enlighten us on how you got into this work?
1: Well, it's such a long story, really. But um, I guess the nutshell of how I got into it was I was living in New York City, and. Um, you know, like in life, you tend to go up and down, but generally you go up in life as you get more experience. But I had an experience there that um, everything I believed in was just gone overnight, taken away from me. And I, um, I was very traumatized from this whole experience, and I had known about this technique called uh, rebirthing, as it was called back in the old days. And um, I went to Australia, um, back to my family, and... Uh, I was in a pretty sort of traumatized emotional way and I booked in to have a session with a breath worker and I had a session and it was the most amazing experience for me. Um, It changed my life. Mm -hmm. And then um, I began to explore because what uh, the breath workers suggest is that you do at least 10 uh, sessions with one particular breath worker. Right. So I I think it was about three months later I decided to have another session. But this time... um, the experience was so intense physically for me that I really didn't like the technique. And um, I remember when the, the, the session finished, I kind of thought, ooh, you know, I can't believe I paid money for pain, thinking that the, the breath worker had caused the pain. But of course, it was all the pain that was coming up from inside my body. And then that led me to continue doing the sessions like they had suggested. And. Um, to be really honest, I never ever thought that I'd be working as a breath worker one day, but it did change my life completely. Right. Yeah. right.
0: Oh. How did you get yourself trained into doing this work?
1: Okay, initially, because I was working as a, um, a body therapist, a remedial therapist in Australia, um, there was a, a, a breath worker training uh, that was happening in, in the city of Adelaide and they actually came to me and said, uh, we'd love to train you because of your background with uh, knowing the body. Mm-hmm. And I sort of said, okay, what does it involve? And and back then it was uh, six months uh, training, four days a week. I think it was every second weekend. And it was almost like group therapy. And that kind of really frightened me because I was the type of person that, um, you know, I wasn't very good with um, public speaking and being in groups and things like that. And uh, I really had to think about it. And the opportunity came, the money came up, and then I just thought, you know what? What the hell? Do it. And one of the reasons why I did it was because I really wanted to help my son as well because he had been through the trauma as well in New York. And um, so I did the training so I could help him as well.
0: Right. Okay. Um, Now, John, what is rebirthing and breathwork?
1: Okay. So rebirthing, as it was first termed, was probably developed... You know, there's so many different um, areas that breathwork has evolved from, but rebirthing as such, as I know it, was developed by a gentleman by the name of Leonard Orr, and he founded this technique, um, I think, by accident, and then, like, there was an evolution process to it. I think it took him about 10 years till he kind of really defined what it is. But rebirthing in the old days was originally done in a jacuzzi or a hot spa, and um, the clients were face down with a snorkel in the water, which was about... Up 30 temperature. And what they found was that the subconscious gating system would open up and people would have memories or pre verbal thoughts and experiences of um, time in the womb and the moment of their birth. Mm -hmm. And they started to uh, look at all these case studies of similarities between patterns that would emerge from a particular uh, birth. So, for example, if your birth was um, a struggle and um, the labor was quite long, then you may have a primal thought that goes, life is a struggle. So then that becomes your pattern in life. And that's where originally um, rebirthing came from because it's not a religion, it's not a cult, it's actually a technique. And they found that by being able to release the trauma, it totally changed the person's behavior in life by becoming aware of it. Wow, wow. Mm.
0: And so the breath work that works with the rebirthing is?
1: Okay. So, what happened a, a little while later was that they discovered that it's actually the breathing pattern that creates people to go into a very conscious, altered state of awareness. So, you're fully conscious, you're not hypnotized. Um, so, w- then became uh, the technique breath work, where uh, I call it dry rebirthing because it's not involved in water. Mm-hmm. And you were you were able to just lie down on a mattress or on a bed and then the and then the, the breath work will facilitate and guide you to breathe the correct breathing pattern, which is circular breathing. And um, what they found was there were still elements of people releasing their birth trauma, but then other things could come up, things like the first two years of your life, the you know pre verbal years. Then there was um maybe um, things like specific negative uh, uh, thoughts that you have about yourself that you created from childhood, from maybe school trauma or religion trauma or um, maybe something happened during your teenage years. Uh, so all sorts of different things can come up in the session for people to face and to heal and to release.
0: Right. So this is um, a facilitated work. Can they individually learn to do it for themselves?
1: Yes, they can. Um, we as breath workers like our clients to at least have done 10 private one-on-one sessions uh, with a professional in order for them to get to a point where they feel safe enough to explore their own breath and then master their own breath because after all the breath is life and, it, and um, when, you, when you lie down to breathe it really does reflect where you are in time and space in your life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, amazing. Now, how does this relate to meditation? Because in meditation as well, we are watching our breathing and it, the mind quietens down and you get into your inner-centeredness. So someone who's meditated, does it help them more or someone who's done breath work, does that help them in meditation or
1: how does that well, work? Breath work itself is not meditation at all. Um, right. Uh, but we, we, like, we also like to call it conscious connected breathing. Uh-huh. So conscious meaning that the client is fully conscious and aware and always uh, they're aware of the breath as it flows in and out. The technique that I still use is the original technique, which is from the mouth. There are other forms um, of breath work through the nose, um, in and out through the nose, or in through the nose and out through the mouth. But um, the technique that I prefer is mouth breathing. Right. and um, that it, It's different to meditation because what happens is the life force builds up inside your body, and it becomes quite a physical experience where some people feel a lot of chi, a lot of tingling through their body, and then of course, um, I like to. I look at it this way: imagine you had a river and it was flowing with water, and that river got blocked, um, and the water and, and the water stayed still for a month. Would you drink that water after a month in the hot sun? Would you? No. No, because it becomes stagnant, mm. and it's a lot like that with life too. I kind of believe that we have a lot of uh, negative mental mass that just builds up in our whole. Um, energy fields in our bodies, and then what happens is it becomes toxic. Our thoughts can become toxic, other people's thoughts can create a lot of poisons in our body, in our energy, and um, the technique itself will start to bring those blocks up. It will bring them up for you to release from your body.
0: Right. Now, how does this work with uh, someone who's got phobias and or, or panic attacks? Or
1: Well, I think it's kind of good because I know what panic attacks are like I used to experience them myself. Um, quite a lot, actually. So the breath the, the breath work technique really helped me as well. So, I mean, look, breath represents what?
0: Your life force.
1: Life. So can you die from breathing? No. No, absolutely not. And this is what I tell people that get quite panicky and fearful. So what I say is, go. if the fear comes up during a session or a bit of anxiety comes up, I just say, observe it. Let it run through because there's no danger. Nothing's going to happen. So... Um, of course, the fear may intensify, but it's just the feeling. It's not exactly the person being in danger. Um, so it, sometimes I, I feel that just allowing the fear to come up is also a way of healing the fear instead of suppressing it or being in denial about it. Or, or you know, people develop so many ways to avoid anxiety attacks or to avoid being in a fearful situation when there's no real danger. So for me, I've um, come across quite a few people that have. Um, healed quite a lot of fears just from the breathing technique itself.
0: Mm, so basically they learn to trust the emotion that's coming up and be comfortable about it, isn't it? Yeah. If they get into medication or, you know, um, yes. Yeah. 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 So what happens in a typical session? Could you describe that yeah. for
1: us? Sure. Okay, in a typical session what I tend to do is um, I interview my clients for about an hour and I ask them extensively lots of questions, particularly about their birth. And their childhood. I'd like to know a lot about um, their birth and childhood, as well as um, you know, teenage years. And then there's questions about the relationships between um, themselves and their parents or guardians, if they didn't have parents, um, and other significant event, events in their life. And then after the hour interview, I may also ask them, do they have an intention for the sessions? Some people do come with an intention. Some people come with no intention. It doesn't really matter. Then what happens is I, I get them to lie down and uh, I cover them with a blanket so there's a, a feeling of safety. And then I, I, I teach them the breathing technique. I play music in the background. Sometimes I don't. Uh, it just depends, but usually I do for the first session. And then um, I just teach them the breathing technique. And then after about anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour of this particular breathing technique, uh, they, they slowly come back. Uh, into their body uh, and into the room like fully conscious and then we have a debrief for an hour so sessions uh, are about three hours for me
0: Mm. wow and um so while they're in this um relaxed state are there any suggestions given to them could they use the power of affirmations
1: you know what um Yes, I totally uh, believe that. Um, breath work for me is based on the concept that your thoughts create your reality. So sometimes, for example, if you were going through the experience yourself, Gaia, I would say, that, you know, if you had a thought and it was a negative thought, then I would say to you, okay, well, what's the opposite of that? What's the, the, the positive thought that you can have? And then, you, and then the, the client can probably repeat it a few times to themselves. Sometimes at the end, of, towards the end of the breathing cycle, um, I tend to maybe play some positive affirmations for about five or ten minutes for people.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure this helps with people who've got uh, insomnia.
1: Oh, um, you know what? I'm coming across a lot of people with that lately. Yes. Um, I'm learning a lot about insomnia from my clients. There's so many factors, I guess, but yes, it can help people. Actually, um, in a couple of weeks, actually next week when I go back to Australia, I'm working with some people with insomnia. So um, yes, it can help. It can, and I also, I also tell my clients with insomnia is use, in, use the breathing technique for about 5 or 10 minutes just before you go to sleep. Or if you wake up, then maybe do the breathing pattern for about 5 or 10 minutes to see if it can help you go into a very relaxed state again. Mm.
0: Now, John, could you tell us, you've got extensive experience working in so many countries. Um, could you share some success stories with us?
1: Okay. Um, I think it was in 2000 that... Um, I've got a very dear friend of mine, Dr. Reza Sambat, and he's a metaphysician as well. And he, um, he invited me to Iran. Uh, he said to me, John, people there really need your work. And um, I really had no idea about Iran or the Middle East. I mean, I had been to the Middle East, but not to places like Iran. So I got in touch with uh, a few other international breath workers and I sort of shared, what do you think about me going to the Middle East? And a lot of people sort of all their fear came up and they said, oh, I don't know about Iran. Um, you know they might crucify you there doing this work so uh, I attempted to go there was actually I think it was just before 2000 I wanted to go but then there was something that happened in the Middle East and I never went so finally I got an opportunity and I went over for about two weeks and um, what happened was I started to work with a lot of people not in groups or anything but privately and um, it didn't take long, but I think in Tehran, they must have thought I was some sort of faith healer, but there was like thousands of people wanting to meet me. So they had to keep moving me from house to house every night. And then only... I was only I could only see a certain amount of people, of course, during the day. But I saw a lot of um, people with a lot of traumas over there, like things that I've never, ever experienced in my life. And um, it was really heart-opening for me, and I felt a lot of compassion for some of these traumatized people. It was... There's no words to explain it, but it was amazing. And they wanted me to come back actually to do the uh, to do a training there, but um, I kind of felt, and from what I, I was suggested, maybe not in Iran, but we were looking at an island off the coast of Iran, which was like neutral that these people could travel to, mm. which is still a possibility. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Now, um, when you do your group work, how does that work?
1: Okay, so in uh, group sessions, um, we. I usually have a um, a few assistants to assist me, of course, depending on the number of people that I have in the group. Normally, I do an introduction on what breathwork is, a little bit like what we're doing now, actually. I talk about the history, what to expect, um, what uh, people... You know, it's questions and answers for about an hour. Mm -hmm. Then um, I uh, get people to lie down uh, where they feel comfortable. And because we haven't done an interview, which is Mm -hmm. one-on-one... it's not like I'm going to know any of their stuff. So it's kind of a, a, a sort of, a, it's more of an introduction to what the, where the breath will take you. So then I facilitate by um, guiding people into the breathing technique, anywhere again from 45 minutes to an hour with some music. And usually the breath workers that are assisting me, we just tend to go around and correct the breathing so people can go into a proper breathing technique. And then we just support people. You know, if, they, if there's a need, we, you know, if there's an emotional release, we tend to come up and just support them through it. And then, after about an hour, people tend to slowly come back at different times, and then we debrief as a group if people if people wish to share, they can if they don't, they don't and that's fine too. But then I also let people know that if they need any support after the the group session, to so definitely contact me or the breath workers in whatever country that I'm working with
0: yeah. working
1: in yeah. yeah.
0: Right. Now, um, we've dealt with the emotional pain. What about uh, physical, for example, like cancer or um, some terminally, terminal illness? Could they heal themselves with this work?
1: You know, I, I, I'm thinking of a gentleman right now that had prostate cancer. And he was, um, uh, this was last year, he's, he's a, I guess, a person that I would call very unconscious, very unaware that, you know, that there was any connection to mind and body and, and disease. And his wife suggested um, that they come along to a group session. And what happened was this, um, uh, because I run uh, monthly sessions in my city, there are community breathing sessions that I run, just like a bit like I'm going to be running here in Singapore next week. He started to come along and what happened was, because he was going into a very deep state of relaxation, he was also doing, I think, um, I'm not sure what, uh, whether he was doing chemo or some, some other treatment, but what happened was his PSI levels were dropping quite low quite fast and the doctors were kind of fascinated. However, he did tackle the cancer in so many different areas, in his diet, um, in the breath work, um, also uh, getting rid of a lot of stress. But he, he always uh, he did tell me that every time he came to a breath session and when he had his blood test, they were always fantastic. So the doctor said to him, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Mm, mm, wow. Now, could you tell us uh, about the work you're going to be doing in Singapore, the course that you're going to be running?
1: Okay. Um, well, next Thursday, I'm going to do uh, an introduction to breath work. Uh-huh. And um, basically, I love I love group breath works and I love initiating people for the first time that have never done a, a breath session because it's kind of fun uh, for people to come along. I know there's a lot of fear for some people when they come. Um, so, again... What happens, like I said, uh, people come, they can be be an intention. It doesn't have to be an intention. They can just come to explore their own breath and where it takes them. And it's uh, a three-hour session. And and I always say to people, and it's a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. And how many can you accommodate per session?
1: Uh, In the space that we have next week, I'll be having probably maximum 30 people. Wow. We have anywhere from 10 to 30. Uh, Last month, I was in Kuala Lumpur, and we had 100 people. Wow, <laughs> yeah, in the room, Which was huge, but I did have uh, quite a big team with me.
0: In terms of your personal, the changes in your own personal life, is there anything of great significance you could share with us by doing this work, like the before and the after? Uh,
1: for me personally? Yes. Oh God, there's so many, it never stops. You know, the breath represents life, and for me, being connected to my own breath lets me know where I am in time and space. When I look at my evolution of the last 20 years, Gaia, I have healed so many um, fears. Uh, you see, I grew up in Australia from uh, my, my origin is Greek. My parents migrated to Australia. So I kind of grew up in a country with two cultures, really, mm-hmm. um, or the Greek culture, the core beliefs from my family. And then I grew up in another culture. And it was kind of really hard to sort of, you know, where do you belong? Where do you where do you? where do you fit in so for me with breathwork i was able to explore a lot of my core beliefs and core values that i'd learned from my family and then basically what i did is eliminated the ones that didn't support me at all and i was able to have more freedom in my life and make greater choices but the biggest thing for me was overcoming a lot of fear intense fear It, it crippled me you know i was uh, you know, I never, like I said, I never thought I'd be doing this work, but let alone traveling around the world doing this work and, and just meeting the most amazing conscious people and conscious communities wherever I go. Mm.
0: And also seeing uh, the, the transformation in their lives, I think that must be rewarding, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, uh, and the friendships that I make too, because, I mean, you know, as a breathwork, I don't see myself as a, like a therapist. I, I kind of look at breathwork more of a community of conscious people that support each other.
0: Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. John, has this work made you more intuitive?
1: Um, You know, yes, but one of the things I discovered was um, my birth itself, uh, maybe I should talk a little bit about my birth and you can understand. um, I was born premature, so there's a a belief out there that premature babies are kind of psychic and and intuitive because in order to survive, born premature, we need to use all our senses mm, yeah. and our intuition in order to survive. But as humans, we're, we're amazing like that in, in, you know, in survival. But um, when, I, when I was born, I was born 10 years after my brother, and my parents had migrated to Australia. My mother was the oldest daughter in her family, and her father died quite young. A tree fell on him, and he got killed. So she had to bring up all her brothers and sisters um, being the oldest daughter, supporting her mother, and it was just post-war and there was depression, there was a lot of poverty. So when she got married to my father, uh, I think she was about 26, and in those days that's quite late in Greece, um, she married my father and had my brother soon after, but didn't want to have any more children. So they migrated to Australia, and uh, I guess on the ship coming down she conceived me. So. You know, when migrants move to other countries, guy, what kind of work do they do when they don't speak the language? Mm. What do you think?
0: Pretty basic.
1: Yeah, it's pretty hard work. And, you know, and being pregnant and then starting in another country was not exactly a choice my mother really wanted. So when I looked at my birth and when I interviewed her about this, she said that, you know, I really wasn't wanted. And they had moved in with um, my one of my uncles who was not a a very nice man at the time and there was a little bit of an altercation and he pushed my mother and punched her in the stomach when she was six months pregnant with me. Mm -hmm. So she went into hospital for um, a a month and couldn't speak the language. She was in a lot of fear. And then finally, around seven months and ten days gestation period, they decided to uh, induce induce the birth and bring me out. And that was the beginning of, um, uh, I guess, my journey because... When I, like I said, when I did the second rebirth back in those days, what happened for me was um, my birth trauma started to come up. And um, no matter what you, birth that you have, there was always a positive to it as well, no matter how traumatic it was. So the positive for me was my intuition, and I use my intuition thoroughly. It's my gift. It's, um, what can I say? Um, I like to read people, I guess, and I can sense them. Mm -hmm. from the moment I meet them. It's just a gift that I have. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody has that, but the more blocked up you are, the less connected you are to it.
0: True, and we're not tuned into that frequency. Oh, yeah. Um, Now, I'm talking about the amazing experience we go through at birth. Would you recommend this for pregnant women?
1: Um, Yes, I have a lot of pregnant women that come to bed sessions. Um, sometimes I get them to do more of a nose breathing, so in from the nose, out from the mouth. It, it's more gentle. Um, I don't, because one of the things that can happen is as the chi builds up, as the life force builds up, people can get quite fearful of the experience and then they try and resist it. And that's where you can get a little bit of tingling and a little bit of paralysis happening in your hands. So with pregnant women, I always say, you know, imagine breathing into, into your baby and, and I always say, have positive thoughts of welcoming this this little being. Um, into the world and um yeah it's it's fine i've never i've never heard of anything awful happening to anyone from breathing not even pregnant
0: yeah and my question was is that useful so that they're more aware or they they breathing in this um you know amazing life force they become more in tune and so the trauma of the baby is not so intense as
1: absolutely yeah
0: if they were unaware
1: there's also a lot of, um, there's a lot. Of, I don't know what it's like here in Singapore, but I know in other parts of the world, there's um, there's a lot of literature now about conscious birthing.
0: Yes.
1: Women choosing to have um, have their babies naturally um, without uh, a lot of medical intervention. Uh, I mean, it's always great to have the option of you know giving birth in hospital, and in an emergency, of course, um, you know having that intervention there because it's um, important. But it is a choice, and I think um, there was a, a, an obstetrician by the name of Dr. Frederick Le Boyer. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him. He's from France, and he wrote an amazing book called Birth Without Violence. And he talks about his story of you know, delivering so many babies until one day, it's almost like psychically this baby spoke to him and said, don't hurt me. And then it made him more aware of what he was doing um, as a doctor, as an obstetrician, so there's been a, a, a few people on this planet that have started to lead um, uh, pe- uh, teaching uh, people, women um, and their husbands or their partners about um, conscious birthing and the choices that mothers can have.
0: Mm. Wow, um, John. Now we, the clients who come to you, would be of a certain age. Have you? worked with children. I mean, getting these traumas out at a younger age is beneficial for them, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Well, Guy, when I first started my career as a breath worker, it actually was with children. Wow. And so, remember I said I wanted to help my son? And yes. And that's how it all started because I started to um, do uh, breath sessions with my son who was probably about seven at the time. And that's the kind of age that we like to... If, if, if the, uh, the, the breath worker works with kids, usually it's about seven um, and, of course, the technique itself isn't exactly the same as working with an adult, but the breeding, uh, and the breeding cycle is probably shorter, up to 20 minutes, where with an adult it's about um, 60 minutes. Um, kids are amazing. Kids, when they, when they start to feel the chi and the life force, they love it. They, they don't have as much resistance as what an adult does. Mm. So kids are pretty amazing. Unless there's been, of course, a trauma with um, quite severe trauma, then... Um, you know, it's facilitated to support that individual at the time. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, they talk a lot about the indigo children and um, ADHD. How has this worked? Have you worked with any kids who've been diagnosed or rather misdiagnosed?
1: Yeah, I have, and that's an interesting subject too. I mean, I've read some information that these indigo kids have just got so much life force flying through them that I think, the adults around them suppress them. They suppress this life force, and then that creates all the, the I guess, the weird behaviours that they may have. Uh, I don't really fully understand um, the whole concept of it. Um, it still puzzles me. But yeah, when I, I have worked with some of these kids, and, and during the process itself, I, if they need, if they want to jump around, I let them jump around. That's what they need. And and then what I find is they tend to go into a very uh, conscious older state of relaxation then, you know, after they get all their, their hyper energy out of them. Mm-hmm.
0: John, could you tell us about these amazing CDs that you've got out there?
1: Okay. Um, a couple of years ago, I produced a couple of um, affirmation CDs with meditation music on there. And one of the things I found was every time I would work with people, one of the biggest issues is always money and abundance, prosperity.
0: Yes.
1: And then what I found is, you know, like people work, work, work so much that one of the things that they lose is their health.
0: Hmm.
1: So what I decided to do was create a, a CD of wonderful affirmations um, on abundance and prosperity. And then the second CD that I created was about health and vitality and wellness. And um, with really high thoughts, high affirmations. Um, and, you know, I, I, I love listening uh, listening to them to them myself, especially when I go to sleep. Um, I find um they're really calming and I'm re- I'm a big believer in thought is creative. And um the new C D that I'm gonna bring out is on love and relationships because that's the next big major thing that people have issues with is love relationships.
0: True. And um you know my clients always say, Gaia, give me the money and then the honey.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now um the law of attraction is a very, very big topic and um everybody got excited after the secret. So could you tell us about how this work complements someone who wants to manifest something in their lives?
1: You know, um, I love the law of attraction and the secret. One thing I think and I feel people didn't really get was that you actually need to take action. Yes. We, we live in a physical world. I mean, it's great to have, you know, the thought, you know, I want this or so I deserve that. But we also need to take action in order for us to to become a masters of creation because we are here in the physical and we need to master creativity and creation. So that's, I think, I believe a big thing for people to learn is how to create. Hmm. And, um, you know, it's like an example I give to people was, you know, Gaia, if I gave you um, a, five, a five-star hotel chain, um, you know, imagine it was the Hilton or the Hyatt, would you know how to manage it? No. No. And see, some people have uh, such big wishes in their lives, it's almost like having something as big as that, but yet they don't know how to you know, ma- uh, manage the, the lower parts of running these hotels. So in order for us to manifest, we need to um, become creators of small things and then create bigger things. And as we master the bigger things, you go to the next level and so on and so on. So it takes a lot of action and it takes a lot of physical action.
0: And, and does your work complement um, people's visions?
1: Yes. Um, I, like, I, t- I run some courses go- on goal setting as well, so I kind of teach people about, you know, setting goals. But I like to work with people setting, I would say, 10 small goals. And then when you achieve, you know, one of them, you celebrate it, you add another goal that's a little bit bigger, and you keep working towards that um, in, in order for one to manifest. Um, You know, I love when I see my clients around the world, when they really get this. Mm. Um, Like here in Singapore, I'm always amazed that some of my past students, where they are today, I mean, you know, some of them are millionaires, some of them have the most, created the most amazing love relationships. And, um, you know, they've gone out and done it because they've taken the steps. They've learned to master creation.
0: Mm. Mm. Yes, and when you get to that moment, you really know you've got it because it's no longer a belief, it's a knowing, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, now, John, my question was that um, when we, we have goals or visions and we want to manifest them, so we are constantly birthing desires and we're doing all the techniques like the visualizations, yeah. the affirmations, the meditations... But then we reach a point where it's not showing up and there is a block to manifesting. Now, it's interesting because sometimes, you know, if we had a birth trauma and we've forgotten about it, yeah. then I'm sure the block also relates to some trauma we're carrying in our psyche, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that's so true, what you're what you're saying there, because... You know, sometimes people cannot, um, you know, they, they have their desires in life. For some, for some reason, they just don't manifest them. And it probably is a deep subconscious block. It could be some sort of thought or a belief that, was, that they absorbed, maybe in the womb, maybe when they were an infant, they don't deserve, and that becomes the biggest sabotage for them, no matter what they do, no matter how many courses they do.
0: True. So at that point, is it worth coming and then having these sessions with you? Because then, absolutely. Yeah. So without knowing, they can find out what the block was, isn't it? Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Right. Now, have you worked with depression at all?
1: Um, I have. Um, I tend not to work with people that have got clinical disorders, Mm -hmm. um, unless they have a clearance from their other practitioners. And um, and sometimes I have worked with other. Um, health care professionals that are very open to this technique um, but generally uh, most of my clients tend to sort of come because of a choice I know of another breath worker in Australia that's written a book on depression and breath work and he um, he really does believe that breath work does um, help people with severe depression as well because sometimes people just need to release the suppressed um, thoughts or traumas or whatever
0: yeah. right. right. Um, Now, you know, when they come to you with an emotional issue that they would like to solve or overcome, have you noticed or found that the rest of their body is also uh, getting itself balanced, like, for example, hypertension or diabetes? Is that a byproduct of doing this work?
1: Yes. um, I've I've had a lot of people with all sorts of um, conditions that have reported back feeling better. I mean, the end result of a breath, session is to get to a state of feeling blissful feeling feeling really high on life naturally feeling peaceful and of course when your body's in that state healing happens
0: and what about addictions
1: Um, yes I've worked with people with addictions as well Um, it depends on the addiction I guess like what kind of addiction would you be talking about
0: probably the most common which is alcohol
1: alcohol okay um I, I find that people that um to me my experience of um people with alcohol problems there's a lot of rage underneath right a lot of anger underneath and sometimes accessing the thought or the or the memory of this rage and releasing it um can also support them in making um higher choices when it comes to drinking and not drinking
0: mm-hmm. so um What's coming through is that it can be also quite a painful process, isn't it? And is that why you recommend 10 sessions minimum? Yeah,
1: yeah because what happens is, if when you, when you first experience uh, breath sessions, it can be Because it's, especially if you're a head person, a person that lives in your head, all of a sudden you become aware of all this energy in your body. And it can frighten a lot of people because all of of a sudden there's a build-up of so much life force. And probably the last time you felt this alive was the moment you were being born. Mm. And it can frighten a lot of people because of the intense energy. When people get to a point when they realize that this whole feeling, this life force that's just flowing through you, and when you just surrender to it, and, and that's when it heals you, when you finally get that, then you're able to go to other levels of breath work. I mean, other levels of experiencing breath work. Because it's not something that you just do 10 times. It's actually, you do it whenever you want, whenever you feel low in energy, stressed, fearful, um, out of balance. It's an awesome way to get a lot of energy back and to clear your whole body mm. from a lot of negativity that, we, that you collect on your everyday journey outside in this world.
0: And I think, yeah, what jumped out for me was that the word surrender, I think that happens even when we want to manifest, isn't it? We get in the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Letting yeah. go. Let, let God. Go.
0: Let go. Let God, yes, yes, it's beautifully said. Um, is there anything else you would love to share with our audience?
1: When you're in a state of stress, you're not functioning properly, you're not um, intuitive enough. Um, and I think, you know, there's so many ways to To go into yourself, but for me, uh, what I find is breath work is like a Concorde jet. it really gets you there really fast and really quick um,
0: Yes, I think John that's quite a quite an important um, message that we need to get across because I'm noticing a lot of stress in Singapore uh with even kids very young um yep. And we, when we talk about a stressful situation, we kick in the fight or the flight mechanism, don't yeah. we? Could you, could you share your experience
1: with this? Actually, what I'll, I'll, I'll just mention, just while I remember now is, um, you know how you talked about there's a lot of stress with kids at school here? I mean, you know how many parents that I see that are stressed out here with, um, because of the way they want their kids to perform um, in school? And, um, and I find that, you know, when parents want to bring the children to me, because they're, they're not doing well at school, I, I kind of say to the parents, I think you're the ones that really need to do the breath session before your kids.
0: True. Well said. Oh,
1: um, yeah, I can tell you countless of stories of stressed out parents. Um, the fight or flight. I mean, when, you're, when your body goes into a state of fear, your whole spinal cord just gets pulled down. Um, have you ever seen people with a lot of stress, their shoulders are curled over? Yes forward i mean when i look at that to me it's really primal because we want to protect our heart and um you know in ancient times uh, you know if you're a caveman and you sort of came out of the cave and you know you use all your senses in order to survive and imagine all of a sudden the saber toothed tiger jumps on you what do you do what's one of the, <laughs> the first things that what would do you do Gaia? run <laughs> well you either run or you curl up yes or why do people curl up into a ball what are they protecting yeah and
0: they get into their fetal position don't they uh,
1: they do because the, what, what we tend to do is protect all our organs because, you know, if you ever look at a, a lion that attacks a prey, one of the first things it eats is the stomach and the heart and all the, the delicious organs. True. So I think today when people are in, in, in states of stress and fear on an unconscious level, there's no, there's, actually there's no sabatooth tigers in downtown Singapore, is there, or Tyrannosaurus Rexus. The, the stress uh, or the fear today is our thoughts. True. Can we pay our bills? Do I have enough money? Um, do I look good enough? Or whatever whatever the thought is that creates that stress. So it pulls down your spinal cord. Your organs don't function properly. Your, people don't even breathe deeply. Yes, and,
0: and I've noticed a lot of shallow breathing. In, absolutely. Yes.
1: We call that uh, suppressed joy and aliveness. Then people go into fights or flights. Um, I'm not sure how people... I guess people go into a lot of denial as well. And, you know, what I find, when you're in a fight or flight, you tend to disconnect from your, from your body. You don't feel. You're just stuck in survival. So you're not feeling. And when you're not feeling, your body's giving you constantly signals that something's not right and you ignore it. And then that's where a lot of dis-ease happens in people and a lot of sickness. And people just, you know, break down and they can't breathe and, and they get diseases. And eventually, you know, if they don't do anything about it, they... End up six feet under. Mm,
0: true. Now, to all our listeners out there who, what, who are in probably a um, deep state of stress, what would you recommend as the first course of action before they finally look for a breath
1: worker? You know, wow, well, there's so many. I mean, look, we are so lucky today to have so many choices and support um, to get out here in communities. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about big cities, I guess. Um, I think if, if you're in a, uh, a state of stress, um, reach out. Reach out to, your, to a good friend or to family. Um, there are so many uh, community support groups that people can reach out to. Is We have choices, and sometimes it's just reaching out that's the hardest part, no matter whether it's a breath worker or even a counsellor or if you've got an addiction, it's just reach out to someone. We are human after all, and... You know, you don't need a degree to help someone, really.
0: True. Now, for those who would love to have a session with you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how does that work, um, John, um, because you're travelling quite a bit?
1: Yes. Um, okay, usually when I'm... Um, if I'm in a, a city, there's usually a coordinator that will co- coordinate my private sessions. Um, I tend to do introductions uh, like to breath work like what I'm doing next week here in Singapore where people can come along and experience a breathwork session and then they can get to meet me and, and meet some of the other breathworkers that live in the city. And if they feel like a bond or a connection, they can get in touch with them or they can stay in touch with me. Um, they can email me. And a lot of my um, dates are on my website that people can check out. But you know, generally people um, email me and um, then we can start from there. And I can also guide them to finding other breathworkers as well.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. So just before we end this beautiful interview, is there anything else you would love to share with us?
1: Um, I just um, I, I want to thank you for um, this interview and uh, for the listeners out there. And I wish everybody more than enough peace, abundance and good health.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Thank you for taking time off. I know you're extremely busy schedule. We're extremely grateful. So thank you, John. Thank you very much. No, thank, thank you very much.